This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. All right. How many of you are still glad you're here? Not in jail. That's good. That's good. Um, hey, before we, we get started, I want to let you know about uh, something, uh, a real special day that we have coming up. It's National Serve Day on July 13th. National Serve Day is a day when thousands of churches, not just a few churches, thousands of churches all over the United States, all over the world on the same day are coming together to serve their communities in very practical ways. You know, the, the word says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God. And so we're participating in National Serve Day this year, and we've got a, we've got a number of different uh, opportunities where you can get involved in serving your community. This is, this is church-wide, so we want the whole church to do it. And so this is July 13th. <clears throat> It'd be an all-day affair. I mean, not, not every event's all day, not every opportunity is all day, but we've got a number of opportunities. So what we'd like for you to do is I think they've got the, they've got the ways that you can download the app and, and, and sign up to, to serve. And if you're not sure how to do that, you can go out to the serve table. Can't miss it. There's a big banner. It says, it says serve on there. There's a table. And there'll be somebody standing at that table, and they can help you download the app and get registered. So that's July 13th. Everybody ought to get involved in one aspect of this. It's going to be a great, great time. All right? What I want you to do now is I want you to get out your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 25, or you can, you can uh, open your phone to Matthew 25, or better yet, you can download the Relate Church app, and uh, you can follow along. We got message notes right there on the app, and so you can follow along right there on the app with message notes. And we are going to get into the Word today and start in Matthew, the 25th chapter. Well, that's where I want you to start, uh, in Matthew, the 25th chapter. I've been meditating on a, a particular portion of Scripture for about two weeks now. Of course, I haven't preached, and well, today will be my third week, and so I'm, I'm so glad to be preaching again. By the way, how many of you thought Brother Carl did an outstanding job last Sunday? Amen. <clears throat> Brother Carl did an outstanding job. So good. And, uh, man, it was just a, just a good word on how to, how to win the war, right? How to win the war, just so good. And so I'm, but I'm glad to be preaching again. You know, it's, it's, uh, you kind of feel like out, you're, you're a fish out of water when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so glad to be back. But I've, over this last several weeks, I've been meditating on a portion of Scripture. And, uh, man, it's just really brought a lot of life into me. It's just a lot, of, a lot of faith into me, a lot of hope and expectation. How many of you could use some of that? Some, some life and, and expectation. And so in Psalm the 112, Psalm 112, and I'm just, the whole chapter is so awesome. You ought to read the whole thing. But the first three verses, David says, praise the Lord, exclamation point. Now, you know, some folks, they praise the Lord, say, all right, everybody, let's praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, that's not an exclamation point, <clears throat> Right? I mean, David said, praise the Lord. I mean, he, he's happy about something. David's excited about something. Praise the Lord. I mean, what's, what's, what's David so excited about? I mean, uh, any, any of you ever used that, that term before when something good happens or something's going your way? What do you do? Praise the Lord. I mean, uh, 
you're not just all, you know, just back off. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I just got healed of this. Praise the Lord. God just supplied that need. Praise the Lord. Now, what do you do? Y'all tell me, what do you do when God comes through for you? What do you do? Good, six of you know what to do. When, when God comes through for you, what do you do? I mean, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So what's David praising the Lord about? What, what is he so happy about? No, notice what he says. Blessed is the man or the woman or blessed is anyone who fears the Lord. Now, what does that mean? It can mean a number of things, but specifically, what does it mean? He tells us, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. He's not talking about the Ten Commandments here. I'm not, I'm not negating the Ten Commandments. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the person who delights in doing things God's way. The person who delights in doing things God's way. Blessed is the man. Notice he didn't say cursed is the man who fears the Lord. Notice he didn't say cursed is the man who delights in doing things God's way. He said blessed is the man who delights in doing things God's way. Or blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Let me ask you, do you delight in doing things God's way? You know, he did say, uh, my ways or my thoughts are not your thought, and my ways are not your ways. As high as the heaven is above the earth, right? So are my thoughts and ways above yours. That doesn't mean we can't adopt his ways, though. <clears throat> He's just saying this, that there is a way that seems right to us that's not right. And then there's a way that is right for him and that if we adopt those ways and if we adopt that path, well, then what's going to happen for us? He said that we're going to be blessed. We're going to, everybody, now let me see a show of hands because I, I know some people, they, they fight for the right to stay cursed. They wouldn't admit it, but I mean, you tell them God wants to bless you. Well... You got a religious spirit start coming up. Well, not everybody's supposed to be blessed. You know, God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. Zephaniah. <clears throat> and, they, and, and they quote things like it's a scripture, and it's not even a scripture. How many of you know in order for something to be scriptural, you got to have scripture? If you don't have scripture, it's not scriptural. And so people, they, you know, they, they, they well, you, you know, it's not God's will for everybody to be blessed, you know, because sometimes God's just trying to teach you something. That is a bunch of baloney. God doesn't need, he doesn't need to teach you in any other way than what he said he would teach you. He teaches us through his word. He teaches us through the Holy Spirit. He doesn't teach you through trials and tribulations. Now, you can learn something. But God doesn't need the devil to help him with you any more than you need the, the most unlawful person to help you with your children. <clears throat> Amen. 
Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights in doing things his way. Everybody say his way. Everybody say, Lord, your way, not my way. You know why the world is so screwed up? And you do know that it is, right? Do you know why it is? People doing things their way. Do you know why most, about 50% of marriages end in divorce? You want me to tell you why? People doing things their way. Do you know why people live hopeless and they're just in bad, bad situations? They're doing things their way. Because we know that if they were doing things God's way, they would be what? He tells us. If they were doing things God's way, what would they be? Blessed. Blessed is God's will for you. Blessed is God's will for you. Not cursed. Blessed. Y'all excited about this? I hope y'all are excited. I mean, I know I've been meditating on this for a few weeks, but it, it didn't take me. You know how long it took me to get excited about this? About three minutes. It took me about three minutes. It didn't. And then the more I looked at it, the more excited I got about it. But it didn't take me weeks to get excited about this. It just took a few minutes. But you got to be open to. It. You got to be open to see something that you maybe have suppressed. Before And we suppress things because of all different kind of reasons. <clears throat> so he blesses the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Now what does this blessing look like then? Notice verse, verse 2. His descendants, his children, will be mighty on the earth. What? What does this blessing look like? I mean, you, you delight in doing things God's way and you're doing things God's way. What's part of the blessing? Your children are going to be mighty. Yes. Well, that doesn't sound like the tail. That sounds like the head. Amen. Didn't he say that you'll be, you'll be the head and not the tail? Yes. That doesn't sound below. That sounds above. Amen. That doesn't sound cursed. That sounds blessed. Your children are going to be mighty on the earth. I like that. The generation of the upright will be blessed. He says it again. In verse 3, notice what he says. This is going to, this is, this is going to make... Y'all ever, you ever played pinball game before? Anybody ever played pinball? Grew up playing pinball. And man, you can, you know, you can shake that machine trying to get that, that ball to roll where you want it to roll. And, and sometimes what do you do? Tilt. And the game goes, well, sometimes the word of the God makes our mind go tilt. And the reason why is because we've heard junk. All of our life, we've heard junk. All of our life, we've heard, we've heard misinformation. We've, we've been told something, and it got ingrained in us, and we took it as the gospel truth, and preachers suppressed the truth and you suppress the truth when it came up in you. But I tell you what, God's word is true. And if I don't tell you the truth, then I'm suppressing the truth. Yes. Notice what he said. Wealth and riches 
two words you shouldn't mention in church. <laughs> two words that bring the demons out. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Be in whose house? The person who does things God's way. The person who fears the Lord. The person who fears the Lord. He's, what did he say? Wealth and riches will be in his house. Y'all said before we ever got started, before I ever told you what, before we ever got into this, I said, how many of you are willing for God to challenge what you believe? How many of you are willing for God to just be who he is and you open up and you change your mind about something? Notice what he says, wealth and riches will be in the house of the person who fears the Lord, who does things God's way. But that's not what we've been told. We've been told, you know, that some people are blessed and some people are not. It's God's will for some people to have, an ab have abundance, and, and for others it's not his will to for them to have an abundance. And we shouldn't want any of this world's old goods anyway. Well, if, it, if it's not good, it wouldn't be called goods, it'd be called bads. <clears throat> shouldn't want any of this old world stuff, shouldn't, shouldn't desire to have abundance. And then we got some whole denominations, they take vows of poverty and think you're more spiritual if you have nothing. But that's not what this word says. And look, I'm not giving you an isolated scripture. This is not an isolated scripture. I mean, you, I mean from Genesis to Revelation, and we're going to see some things. From Genesis to Revelation, God wants you to be blessed. And part of that blessing, he said, wealth and riches, two things. Wealth and riches will be in the house of the person who fears the Lord, the person who does things God's way. Now look. You cannot consult your current status right now. Well, you know, people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You, I mean, a lack of knowledge, you, you'll do without. Doesn't mean you're not a good person. Doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. Doesn't mean that you're not a committed Christian and a committed follower of Christ, but you don't know what you don't know. Or you, or, and, and what you don't know can have a very adverse effect on your life. So it's important to know. And it's important to not suppress the truth, but open our heart to the truth. Everybody say, wealth and riches will be in his house. Now, I don't want you to raise your hand. <clears throat> but I just want you to think about this. And I'm going to ask a question that's rhetorical. You just answer on the inside. Would you rather wealth and riches be in your house? Or would you rather poverty and lack to be in your house? Don't answer that. I already know what your answer is. Whether you're brave enough to say it out loud or, enough, uh, or not, everybody in here, if you had the choice, you would choose wealth and riches. And that does not make you unspiritual. Y'all listening so good today. 
so where did this where did this other side come from that a follower of Jesus should not desire what the word of God says we should desire or have where does that come from you, you can turn here if you want to but I don't think this is in your notes but in Mark the 10th chapter and I'm gonna have to hurry I'll get man I'm, I'm so full of this that uh, we could be here a while and well we got another service so Mark Mark the 10th chapter there's a a young man that came to Jesus, he said, what, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, don't, don't commit adultery, which is a really good thing not to do. See, God's way. <laughs> right? God's way. Don't shack up. God's way. Engaged is not married. God's way. Right? So he says, he said, uh, he said, don't commit adultery. Don't kill people. <laughs> don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, hey, I've done all these things since I was a young man, since I was a youth. And then Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said to him, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. But he was sad at this word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The way I like to say it is this, and I don't think it's wrong. He didn't have great possessions. Great possessions had him. God doesn't care how much you have. He cares how much has you. <clears throat> Did you hear me? God doesn't care how much you have. He cares how much has you. So this young man, he had great possessions. He went away sad. And... Uh, and Jesus looked around at his disciples and he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. How hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And the disciples said, yeah. I don't know how these rich people would ever, I mean, they're so sorry. I mean, how could they ever get it? No, it doesn't say that. The disciples, now get this, the disciples were astonished at his words. And Jesus answered and he clarified. He said, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which is a literal place. It's a literal place. The eye of a needle then for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished. Now, somebody who's broke is not going to be greatly astonished at that word. They're going to agree. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. But the disciples are greatly astonished. And one reason they were greatly astonished, they weren't broke. <clears throat> These disciples were very, uh, for that day, they were 
commercial fishermen. They had boats. They had, they had a fleet of boats, right? They, they, weren't, they weren't poor. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was getting ready to, to feed the 5,000, they didn't say, Lord, we ain't got any money. He said, well, it's going to cost this much money to feed all these people. They didn't say, we don't have any money. I mean, Jesus had one guy on his staff that carried around the bag. He was the treasurer. Well, the word says that Jesus didn't have anywhere to lay his head. That didn't mean he didn't have nothing. Just mean he was going, he was always going. He didn't, he, he was always going. Why have a house to call your home if you're not ever at your house? <clears throat> Y'all good? And, and so notice they, they, were, they were greatly astonished. And then they said, well, then who can be saved? Oh, my goodness. Who can be saved? And, and, and Jesus looked and said, with men it's impossible. With God, it, it's, all things are possible. And then big Peter began to say to him, see, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, there's no one, no one, no one, no one. There's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. You see, a lot of people, they, they stop way up there. Yeah, we're supposed to sell everything, give it to the poor, and take a vow of poverty and not have anything. That is not even what the story is about. The story is about trusting in riches. You and I should not trust in riches. We should not be greedy. We should not be covetous. We shouldn't live in a state of, of discontentment. But we do need to have a vision of what God says available for us who fear him, who live according to his word, who do things his way. What did he say? You're going to be blessed. And part of that blessing is that your children are going to be mighty on the earth, the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, blessed going in, blessed coming out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. Your children are going to be mighty on the earth, and wealth and riches are going to be in your house. Amen. You know that uh, the word, the Bible, speaks of money and possessions more than faith and prayer put together, more than heaven and hell. Jesus taught about money and possessions more than anything he taught about. Most of his parables are about money and possessions. Did you know that? So we ought to, we ought to give it some service then, shouldn't we? So the, the title of this message this morning is called Money Matters. You can say that in two ways. Money matters as, you know, money does matter, right? It does matter. Or uh, then you can say it like this. Money matters is just, it's, it's how do we deal with money? Money is a part of your everyday life. Is that right? And it matters how you use it. And it matters if you have any or not, in case you hadn't found that out. It matters. <clears throat> so in Matthew, the 25th chapter, I want to talk to you about doing it God's way. 
I mean, when it comes to, to money, doing it God's way, and don't worry, if you've been come, if you're if you're new here, if, if this is your first time, we have never, will never put pressure on you to give anything. We're not sinking. Okay? We're not about to put, take up a big offering, not going to pressure you to take up a big offering, but I am going to give you the word. And we need the word. So in Matthew, the 25th chapter, Matthew, the 25th chapter, I, I thought this was, this was so good. Wait, before we say that, let everybody say this. Say, I fear God. I fear God. That means, that means I'm going to live my life according to his ways. Even if I have to change, I'm going to live according to his ways. And when I do that, I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. You say, well, how can you say it? Because I didn't say it. The Word says it. You know when a preacher tells you something? I don't care what preacher it is. I don't care if it's your favorite one on TV or if it's me, who is probably your favorite anyway. So anyway, <laughs> you shouldn't just take what any preacher says at face value. You shouldn't, not with me, not with anyone. You need to be responsible and go to your word, go to the word of God, find out if these things are true or not. Find out if it's true with whoever it is that's teaching. Wherever it is that you're, you're hearing sermons and messages, go to the word of God. Is this true? Is this really in here? That's why you need to read your Bible, too. And that's why you need to bring a Bible to church, or at least pay attention to the screen. So in Matthew, the 25th chapter, verse, uh, verse 14, Matthew 25, 25, 14, it says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man, so this is a parable, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now, whenever you find a parable, you need to find that you need to find God in the parable and you need to find you in the parable. You need to find God and you need to find you. So is a man who traveled into the far country, that would be God. And the servants would be us, right? So there's a man he traveled into a far country, and he called his own servants and delivered, and he delivered his goods. His goods, his goods. He didn't deliver your goods to you. He delivered his goods to you. God owns it all. It's all his. He delivered his goods to them. And to one, he gave five talents. To another, two. And to another, one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately, he went on a journey. So I want you to notice the, the, <clears throat> this man... Who's, I mean, this is, it's a, it's a man representative. I mean, this, this is God. He went to a far country. How many know Jesus went to a far country? Yeah. One that we, we want to make the trip to one of these days. And he delivered his goods to us. He delivered, I mean, he entrusted us with his goods. And so he talks about these talents. Now, these talents are not, you know, your ability to sing or do carpentry. The word talent, is, it's, it's, it's a weight and if you look at, if you, if you study this out, is it is a weight of gold. 
a weight of gold. It, it just means weight. It's, it's, a measuring, it's a measurement, a weight of gold. And so to one, he gave five talents, that which is a weight of gold. To another, he gave two. And to another, he gave one. Now, here's something real interesting. By today's standards, and all things are relative, but by today's standards, by today's price of gold, I want you to, I want you to get this. By today's price of gold, one talent of gold would be equal to $1.4 million. Now, you can study this out for yourself. I've already studied it, but go ahead and study it out for yourself. $1.4 million, two talents. I mean, do the math. What would it be? $2.8 million, and five talents would be $7 million. So he said this, this man, evidently, he was, a, he was an employer of such, and and he, he delivered his goods. He entrusted his money to these three individuals. Now, why didn't he do it all? Why, did, why is he going to give the person on, on the right more than the person on his left? Well, he tells us according to their ability. Well, I like the, I like the way it says it in, uh, in the Passion Translations. It says this, before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. Everybody say manage. It all belongs to God. He entrusts it to us, and we have to manage what he gives us. And if we don't manage what he gives us, he's not going to give us more. Y'all, I'm talking about doing it God's way. Doing it God's way. And so in, in, he goes on to say this, and you know, they, uh, they came back, and, and he came back, and God will always, there will always be a day of reckoning. There will always be a day when, when God entrusts something to you, and then he'll walk away, and he'll let you manage that, and then he'll come again, and then you have to give an account of what you did with what he entrusted you with. And if you did good with it, he's going to add more to you. If you didn't do good with it, guess what? He's not going to add more. Right. And so this, he, he entrusted, and then he came back to, and for all these individuals to give him an account. And the one who was given uh, five talents and trusted with five talents said, Hey, look, Lord, right away I went out and I invested your money, and here, here's, here's five more talents. So you gave me seven million, here's 14. <laughs> you know what's, what's interesting? If you read on down, we'll probably read this in a minute, but... But the word of God says of these talents, of this 1.7 million, this 2.8 million, and this, four, this $7 million, that these were small sums. Does that sound small to you? It doesn't sound small to us. But we need to renew our mind and think like God. If God says these are small sums, we know, yeah, that's small. Because if you think it's big, you'll think it's bigger than God. And he said he, these, were small, these were small sums. These were small amounts that he invested. He said, well, here's your seven million. You, you gave me seven, here's 14 back. He, he gave, you gave me, you entrusted 2.8 million to me or 1.4 million. I, I got 2.8 to give back to you. And then the guy with one talent, this is interesting. He gave him one talent, $1.7 million to invest and, 
and worked with, he came back and said, I knew you were a hard man. And I didn't want to lose your money. So I dug me a hole and I put it in the earth. He didn't blow the money. He didn't go out and squander the money. He didn't go out and do, you know, misappropriate the money. But he came back and he gave the same amount back to the man. He gave the $1.7 million back. And he probably had a big smile on his face. Lord, I didn't lose it. Yeah, but the other guys doubled theirs. And he didn't commend the guy. He said, what do, you, what do you mean you dug it and put it in the earth? You should at least put it with the bank and got that little bit of interest. Little bit of, you should have at least done that, got that little bit of interest. He said, now take that one talent and give it to the person who had 10 or five. Or 10 now, because he doubled it, right? He said, give it to that person. Everybody say, manage, manage. The, money. the money. So, <clears throat> God has entrusted things to all of us. And he's done it according to our ability to manage. Oh, no, Pastor Chuck, I, 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 work. I work for everything I get. That is so silly. First of all, y'all will repent for being prideful. I mean, if, if God wasn't helping you, you wouldn't have sense enough to get out of the bed in the morning. You wouldn't know how to tie your shoes if God wasn't helping you. Much less go to a job and be productive and get a paycheck. He owns it all. If you're a believer, you've got to believe that. You see, you've got, you've got to begin thinking like God thinks. He owns it all. Everything that we have has been entrusted to us. It doesn't belong to us. Right. It's been entrusted to us to manage. Amen. So in... Uh, <clears throat> In Matthew chapter 25, verse 20, just for time's sake, commending his servant who, who took the five talents and invested, commending his servant, the master replied, you've done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant because you have been faithful steward to manage a small sum. Now, we, we got to get this in our heart. I, I mean, because some of us, we think $1,000 is woo. Thousand dollars, woo! What I could do with a thousand dollars? Let me tell you what you would do with a thousand dollars. You would do it with a thousand. What you do with a hundred? And if you're not managing the hundred according to God's way, is He going to just give you more? No, he, the only ones that got more were the ones who managed what they had right. And the only way that we, let's not forget our scripture. You see, because a lot of times we, we talk about, 
Even, even if, we, if, if a preacher dares step out and, and begins to talk about it, that God wants you to be blessed and God wants you to be abundantly supplied, if a preacher dares steps out and begins to talk about that, a lot of times all we talk about is giving. Giving, sowing, and don't, miss, don't misunderstand me, that is very important. But that's not all there is to having wealth and riches in your house. You've got to do things God's way. You've got to do things God's way. And one thing that you and I have to learn to do is to manage our money flow in a God way. Yes. We've got to manage our money flow. We have to manage our resources in a way that would reflect, number one, that we are children of the Most High God. And we have to manage our money flow in a way that, that communicates that this is not my stuff. This is his stuff. He's entrusted me with it, and he's going to come back, and he's going to check up on it. So let me ask you, I mean, if God came and looked at your checkbook, if he came in, I mean, could you show God your accounts or your account and just be confident that what he's going to see, I mean, he does see, but, I mean, you can show, and he's going to be, you're going to be confident that what he sees, that he's going to be pleased. I just, you know, for us, man, I, I, after last month, I looked, at, I looked at our accounts. I said, I don't know if I'd want Jesus to see this. Too much eating out. Anybody have that problem? I mean, yours might be too many cigarettes or, or too many this or too many trips to the mall or whatever it might be. <laughs> so I said, I don't know if the Lord would like that. Nothing wrong with eating out. But how many know there's, there's something wrong with going past the line? So we've got to learn to manage our money flow. And, so I, I, and I, I just want to help you. And this is just, this is so simple and it's so simple, and it's going to be so painful for some people. It's just going to be painful. Especially if you're not used to doing this. It's going to be, it's going to be a painful transition, but if you'll do it, you'll begin to see some things turn around. And, and I kind of got this idea partially from a book I read, and I don't even, it's not a Christian book. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Anybody ever read that before? It's a great book. And, uh, and I kind of got this idea from this a little bit, and then I, I added to it from a biblical perspective. And so this, if you're not used to living like this, how many of you would like to, man, I got to, everybody, everybody say wealth and riches. Let me just tell you, let me tell you the difference. Riches is the stuff. Riches is the car. Riches is the, the jewelry. Riches is the house. That's riches. Wealth and riches are not the same. Wealth is the ability to maintain your riches without drawing a paycheck over an extended period of time. You know, there's some people that don't work. There, there are some people that don't work for money. Money works for them. 
Now, let me ask you, what would you rather be happening in your life? Would you rather be working for money or would you rather money be working for you? In other words, your money is making money while you sleep. Now, now, now I, I, can already, I, can feel, I can feel the pushback. Pastor Chuck, you just don't understand. And you can sit out there and I can stand up here and I can bemoan the fact of where I currently am and what I don't have. But all the ability for you to get wealthy is what you currently have, not what you don't have. And we could, well, I just don't have enough. Well, you got something. And you got, look, and you, you can sit out there and you don't, and I can stand up here. I'm not, I'm not just saying you, and we can stand and say, what I don't have, but you are and I am where we are and where I am. And crying about it is not going to change it. Okay, so we say, well, Pastor Chuck, get, the, get, get around to the painful part. I don't know if you're ready for the painful part yet. <clears throat> are you ready? Well, let me see. Are you going to do it? Because this is, this is the, we, you just, you've got to say, man, this is going to hurt for a minute. But I'm going to do it. So here it is. To master your money flow, you got to live by the 2080 rule. Everybody say the 2080 rule. Say, what in the world is 2080 rule? 2080 rule is this you're going to invest the first 20% of everything you get. And let me tell you how. Number one, you invest 10% into the kingdom of God. I mean, that this is, uh, you know, I, we asked for some testimonies this past week of people who tithe and say you know if what tithing's meant to you and man we got testimonies back i was like whoa man that is powerful and time after time people say they they they, they didn't think they could tithe they didn't think they could give 10 percent of their income and they did it and didn't miss it even if incomes had been cut in half they continue to tithe and never missed it. That is, that is powerful. So the number one, hey, what, the, the first part of the 28 rule, you, you want to you invest 10% into the kingdom of God. 10% into the kingdom of God. I mean, give, I mean, return to God his first. Well, I don't have any income. Well, then you don't have to participate. But if you would believe God to get something into your hand, you could do this. Well, it's only $10. Well, guess what? A dollar goes to the kingdom. And then you want to invest 10% in yourself. What do you mean by that? You need to save. You know, we, over the last decade, we've had the greatest economic environment. I mean, more money's been produced, but yet millennials, those, I forget the years that millennials were born, they're in the worst financial shape of any generation before. 
They've got the greatest college educations, and they're in the worst financial shape. They come out of college. They, can't, they don't have money to buy property. They don't have money to buy a house. But why? Because it's all tied up in loans and credit card debt. I mean, just, I mean, just strapped financially. Why? Because they put riches over wealth. And we've got to start thinking wealth over riches. What is wealth over riches? I mean, you invest in yourself or you've got to start saving something. 10% to God, 10% to yourself. And then live off the 80. Said, Pastor Chuck, I'm paycheck to paycheck right now. I don't know how I can do that. I guarantee you can find waste. You can find waste. I found some waste. <clears throat> How many, let me ask you this. I got to hurry up. Man, this is so good. Some of you looking at me like it's not so good, but it is good. So I'm going to preach to you those who you, you're open. You say, yeah, I could use a change in my life. How many of you would, how many of you would you have this, this picture? You're sitting at the table and you've got a stack of bills. And you're just waiting on the money to come in to pay those bills. Or would you rather have a stack of money on the table waiting on the bills to come in? How would you like to break that paycheck to paycheck cycle where you're not just, I mean, you're just, man, let's see if we can squeeze it out. To the end of the week. Let's just see if we can squeeze it out. Just oh, we just got, oh, we can we can spend we can spend six dollars on groceries. And we get paid. Do you want that? Or do you want something different? And I'm not just talking about what you can do for you. What if, a, I mean, we get calls. We got a missionary we support in the South Pacific. They get a, they've got a ship. They go from island to island. And they're, and they're doing Bible schools and evangelistic crusades. And sometimes they got to go way over the ocean and say, hey, we need, we need $10,000 for fuel. I mean, how would you like to be so blessed? Oh, I got to take care of that. I'll take care of that. I'll take care of half of that. I mean, I'll just do it. That's what I'm talking about. We're blessed to be a blessing. But if you ain't got nothing. Okay. Where were we? I got to hurry. <clears throat> no, I didn't. We're good. So, so this is what you need to do. Sit down. Make the decision. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give God the first 10. And then I'm going to invest in myself. I'm going to give myself 10. I'm going to set it aside. This is not, I mean, well, we might get into this later, but you just save it. Save it. And then get it to the place where you can put that money and that money can go to work for you. Yeah. Whether it's $1,000 or $10,000, that money's just working for you. While you sleep, while you eat, it's working for you. Okay? And if we'll do this, you see, this is doing things God's way. This is God's way. And what did he say about people who do things his way? They'd be blessed. You see, it's not like glitter dust falling on you. Oh, I'm so blessed. Woo! I'm so blessed. And then everything's changed. 
overnight. No, it's not like that. It's you and I, day in, day out. I mean, we're doing it God's way. Well, something comes, no, we're going to do this God's way. In our marriage, we're going to do this God's way. With our kids, we do this God's way. Because His ways will work, but we got to work them. We got to work them. We got to do them. Amen. We got to do them. And if we do them, things are going to change for us. Amen. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. We worship you. Lord, I ask that you take the words that were spoken today and you speak to others and you speak to our hearts exactly what you want us to hear and to take away from this. Lord, you know my heart, that I'm in no way, shape, or form attempting to put pressure on anyone. But Lord, you want to work in our lives and bring us to a place where we can do more for your kingdom. Lord, I ask that you would help us resist every foul demon spirit that would come to suppress the truth in ungodliness. That we would root out the lies of the enemy. And that fear would be pushed back in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Just every head bowed and every eye closed. You know what? God really wants from you and I is our heart. He really just, he, he, he wants our heart. He wants our whole life. He wants our, he wants us to surrender everything, our whole life to him. And in one, one sense, that is a one-time decision. In another sense, that's a, that's a daily walk. But if you're in here and you've never given Jesus all of your heart and all of your life, you've never surrendered all of your heart and all of your life to him, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But, but, but right there in your seat, see, Pastor Chuck, I, I, I want to give him all of my heart and all of my life. Just, I just want to surrender it all to him. I'm going to count to three. When I do, I want you to... Just lift your hand. We're going to pray for you. Here we go. One, two, three. Right now. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. I'm looking across the room. Raise them real high so I can see. Thank you. I see your hand. Over on my left, I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand right here in the middle. Thank you. I see your hand in the back on the right here. Thank you. Very good. Awesome. See, I want to give my whole heart and my whole life. So who should lift their hand? Anyone who says, I I've never been born again. Jesus said, if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Anyone who's never been born again. Anyone who's never given their whole heart and their whole life to Jesus, you should raise your hand. Anyone who's, who says, if I die today, I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I sure want to go to heaven. So is there anyone else? You say, please pray for me. I, I want to make sure. Good. All right. Let's all, everybody pray this prayer out loud together. Say, dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart and save me and give me new life. I thank you for it. Amen.
Church, let's give these a real big hand, all right? Pastor Jerry.